0: Loves good books. She spends a lot of time reading paper copies and um, listening on Audible. She's read like, uh, I don't know, 27 books this year already, and I think she read 50 last year. But every single time she gets near the end of a good book, she always tells me the same thing 50 times last year, 27 times this year or at least the good ones of those numbers. Shelley says, I'm really sad it's over. We've spent so much time together, we've become like good friends, and, and I don't want it to come to an end. Well, that's how I feel about Titus. I'm really sad it's over. We've spent 14 weeks studying this little letter of Paul to Titus. And it's like we've, be- we've become good friends. And I don't want it to come to an end. 14 weeks. So on the low side, that means I've spent about 200 hours reading and thinking about this tiny little letter. And you've spent about 11 hours listening to me talk about this letter. But it's been awesome, hasn't it? Not my talking. The letter. The study of God's word. In fact, Titus has become one of my new favorites. For for those of you who have been here the entire study, for those of you who haven't, Paul's message to Titus in this letter, he encourages Titus to teach the church to do one basic thing. Live out the faith, not your faith, my faith, but live out the faith. Live it out under faithful elders, contrary to false teachers, according to sound doctrine. Titus is to teach men, women, workers to live out the faith. We're to live out the faith by grace, because of the cross, in a non-Christian world, remembering our salvation, living out the faith with good works and in unity. But now we come to the end and Paul concludes his letter with four elements that are common to almost every one of his letters. Number one, he gives ministry travel plans. Number two, he repeats one of his main concerns throughout the letter. Number three, he sends greetings to the church and from the ministry team. And then number four, he closes with a benediction. And it's a benediction leaving the church at Crete In God's grace, Paul started the letter with grace, emphasized grace in the middle of the letter, and now he leaves the Cretans in the grace of God. And I thought it was interesting to find out that every one of Paul's letters, the first and last chapters, emphasize grace. That's just how significant the grace of God is for us, friends. But even though what we have here are travel plans, greetings to and from the team, I don't want you to make the mistake of skimming over the closing as if it's trivial minutia. There's a really important lesson here for us. Just like the other 13 lessons that we've learned, this morning we are going to be encouraged to live out the faith in gospel partnerships. Live out the faith, Winchester Baptist Church, in gospel partnerships with one another and with other faithful churches around the world. So let's read this final installment in our study of Titus. Chapter 3, verse 11 through, uh, pardon me, chapter 3, verse 12 through 15 is our sermon text this morning. Chapter 3, verse 12. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way, see that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. That's God's word. Amen. So as Paul closes his letter, he encourages the Cretan church with the important role that they play in what God is doing around the world. Think about it. How does a relatively immature, unhealthy church on a remote island fit into what God is doing around the world? Well, that answer would be encouraging to us, wouldn't it? I mean, we're a small church. We don't have many people, and we don't have a ton of resources, and we're in a relatively remote place. I mean, we're not a remote island in the middle of the Mediterranean, but we're not a big city in the, in the middle of the action, right? We're a small town, and, and our church actually meets on the outskirts of that small town. Now, we know that we have an important role here in Winchester. We know that. We know that this church is important in each one of our lives and each one of our families. But do we really have an important role in what God is doing around the world? Can we have a significant role? Should we? Well, the answer is yes. According to this text, yes, through gospel partnerships. Winchester Baptist Church is part of the capital C church of Christ, locally, regionally, nationally, and globally. And we are on mission together for the gospel. Our church, like every church, plays an important role by meeting the needs that God brings our way. This text is about gospel partnerships. There in Crete, here in Winchester. So let me explain how I came to this conclusion this week. Gospel partnerships. Well, first of all, I want you to notice in our sermon text, chapter 3, verse 12 through 15, that there are many people. There's many people mentioned there. Just look at the text in in your copy of God's word there. This section is about many different kinds of people. Notice there's six individuals and two groups of people are named specifically. Some have deep relationships, talks about how they love one another, and then some are complete strangers being introduced to each other in this text. Look there, verse 12. I, that's Paul, and you, that's Titus. Verse 12, again, Artemis, Tychicus. Verse 13, Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos. Verse 14, our people, which is the church on Crete. There also, verse 15, look there, those who love us in the faith. And then also in verse 15, all those who are with me, that's the ministry team that's traveling with Paul. There's six different individuals and two groups of people. There are many people in this text. Is it just a list of people? No, 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 it's not. Don't miss the major point. Though there are many people, there is one mission. There's one mission. The many people share a common mission, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the known world. So notice Paul, the I, there in verse 12. Paul is on mission. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. That's all of the nations of the world who are not Israel, not Jewish. He's the apostle to the Gentile world, and he travels with a ministry team there in verse 15. And here what he's doing is he is coordinating gospel strategy for ministry. So he's sort of like the quarterback who's calling the plays. And so what he's doing in this particular text as he closes this letter is he's giving two specific strategic instructions. Number one, verse 12, he discusses the details of Titus being reassigned. Huh. Titus is being reassigned. And then verse 13, he alerts the church on Crete about an important ministry need that is coming their way. So Paul, the quarterback, knows that there is an important, urgent need coming their way, and he wants to alert them about it. So let's look at those two strategic instructions. First of all, verse 12. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you. Paul is sending either Artemis or Tychicus, not both. He apparently hasn't made up his mind yet. But Artemis and Tychicus are coming to Crete. Why? to replace Titus. Because you see there at the rest of verse 12, Titus, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to winter there. So as Titus has now finished his ministry assignment on Crete, Paul, the quarterback apostle, is sending either Artemis or Tychicus to carry on what Titus has put into place by appointing elders and establishing some health and sound doctrine in the church of Crete. Artemis, we have no idea who he is. This is the only time he's mentioned in Scripture, but pretty cool that he's mentioned in Scripture, right? Tychicus, on the other hand, is mentioned several times. You should look at these Acts chapter 20, Ephesians 6, Colossians 4, 2 Timothy 4, all places that indicated that he was a member of Paul's traveling team. Tychicus was one of the the guys who was going to travel to take that collection that all the churches were giving to, to go back to the impoverished church at Jerusalem. Tychicus was going to be one of the guys to deliver that money. So he must have been very trusted. If you look over at Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 for a minute, Paul kind of gives uh, his opinion of Tychicus here. And yes, I feel as awkward saying Tychicus as you do in listening to it. I want to say Tichicus. Tychicus sounds better to me, but the guy who uh, was on the ESV Audible app says Tychicus, so And he has a British accent, so I figure he's got it right. <laughs> Colossians 4, 7, and 8 talks about Tychicus Tychicus will tell you all about my activities he's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts a number of times in Ephesians Colossians and 2 Timothy Tychicus is the guy who seems to be delivering the letters from Paul to the local churches I'm sending this letter with Tychicus and he will tell you about how everything's going with my apostolic ministry to the Gentiles. So whether Tychicus did this full time or maybe whether he had a job where he traveled all over the world anyway. This was his particular ministry. And now either Artemis or Tychicus are being sent to Crete. I want you to notice that they're not apostles like Paul. And they apparently did not have the specific special gifting to really help the the church at Crete to establish elders and get rooted deeply in sound doctrine. But they did have the giftings necessary to carry on what Titus firmly established. There is a role for all of us, friends. Artemis, Tychicus are on mission with their own giftings and their own roles in the ministry. Notice also in verse 12 that Titus is on mission. He's being reassigned and he's supposed to meet Paul in Nicopolis. Look there in verse 12, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Now we don't know where Nicopolis is for sure. There were a number of places called Nicopolis in the ancient world, but given what we do know about Paul's travels and where Titus ended up in Dalmatia, which is north and west between Greece and Italy. The most likely location of Nicopolis where Titus is to go and meet Paul, where Paul is going to spend the winter, is right there on the west coast of Greece. You can see it on the map there. He says, do your best to come to me because I've decided to spend the winter there. Paul is telling Titus, that that's where the strategic location where he has chosen to spend the winter months. Now, you know that travel back then was a lot different than it is now. And it was treacherous on on a normal basis. But man, traveling in the wintertime, especially if it was on sea, would have been incredibly treacherous. But there's something more here that I want you to see. Paul did not just travel all over the place willy nilly without any purpose. Paul is on a mission. Have you ever realized where Paul wanted to go? Look at Romans chapter 15 and you'll see that toward the end of his life here, he is making his way to where he really wants to go. Paul wants to end up in Spain. Did you know that? Romans 16, pardon me, Romans 15. Romans 15 verse 20. Paul says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. Paul wants to preach the gospel where the gospel hasn't been yet. And so he says there in verse 28, after I have delivered the collection to the impoverished church in Jerusalem... Look there in verse 28, I will leave for Spain by way of you. So Paul wants to go to Rome and he's sending a letter to Rome, says, I'm going to visit you in Rome, but I'm just staying for a little bit. I want to go from Rome to Spain. And so you can see on that map that Paul is making his way westward. Why? Because Paul is on mission. Artemis, Tychicus, Paul, and Titus, all on mission. Look at the second instruction there in verse 13. Many people, one mission. Many people, one mission. Verse 13, do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Now, Paul knew that Zenos and Apollos were traveling to Crete and through Crete to go somewhere else. And he wanted to make sure that these two brothers were well cared for by the Cretan church, doesn't he? You can see the emphasis there. Now, this is a tremendous display of the gospel, isn't it? Look, a lawyer has become a Christian. Zenos, the lawyer, again, not mentioned anywhere else, but we assume that he's probably not a Jewish lawyer like the Pharisees, probably either an expert in Greek or Roman law because of the Greek name Zenos. And just like with Artemis and Tychicus, with Zenos, the unknown, Paul says Apollos, well, We know a lot about Apollos. He's mentioned several times in Scripture. Acts chapter 18, do you remember Apollos? He was the guy who was a prominent Jewish Christian who, quote, was fervent in spirit and eloquent, accomplished in the Scriptures. He's the young pastor that was taken aside by Priscilla and Aquila. The more mature saints, because they heard him saying things that weren't quite right. They, they heard him kind of teaching false doctrine, maybe by accident. And they're like, hey, Apollos, come on over. Let's have dinner. We want to talk to you about something. And I think that's really interesting because in one other section of scripture, it's Aquila and Priscilla. But when it talks about them ministering to Apollos, it's Priscilla and Aquila. Huh. I wonder if she's not the one who had her Bible study antenna up and if she wasn't the the better Berean of the two and nudged her husband and said, we need to invite him over. But Priscilla and Aquila take Apollos under their wing and teach him. And so here now we have Zenos and Apollos traveling, preaching the gospel, coming through, which we could see later, Crete major stop if you're going to do any kind of sea travel and the fact that they're mentioned together means that Apollos and Zena were likely a ministry team, right? I mean, it's the it's the young pastor and his lawyer traveling together. I like that. What's vital here? is that the church at Crete not just know their coming, but pre- be prepared to meet their needs. Look how Paul emphasizes it. Do your best. Do your best. Not to hurry Zenos and Apollos on their way, but to help them on their journey. Do your best. And then look at the end of that. See that they lack nothing. Help them on their journey and then make sure they lack absolutely nothing. They didn't have enough luggage or manpower to carry supplies for this great journey. And so wherever they went, they had to have their basic needs and necessities of life Replenished, And this was one of the ways that the immature, relatively unhealthy, remote church on Crete could be part of what God was doing around the world. See that they lack no food, no lodging, no money. Take good care of these guys. This is how you can play an important role. In what God is doing around the world. Many people. One mission. And then Paul presses it. Verse 14. Did you notice? Verse 14. One exhortation. Verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Paul has talked about good works about eight different times in this letter to Titus. It's a major emphasis. He does not want to close the letter without pressing good works one more time. So Paul says, As Zenus the lawyer and Apollos are coming to you, Help them on their journey. See that they have everything they need. And Titus, here's one more opportunity for you to help the church learn to devote themselves. Do you see all of those, all that verbiage? Paul is not just, you know, uh, uh, verbose. He's, He's pressing and emphasizing. Learn to so as to, and so as to not be unfruitful. The fact that they have to learn to means that they were lacking in this area. They need to grow in it. And this is one of the ways that Titus can help that local church be fruitful in ministry rather than be delinquent. You remember one of the chief criticisms about Cretans was they are what? Lazy. God's church can't be lazy. God's people are not lazy. We are, what is the verse? Uh, verb here in verse 14? Devoted to good works. So, this one exhortation that Paul tells Titus, he's to press on to the people, is that they're the, to learn to devote themselves. You remember in chapter 3, verse Eight, look at it there. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. You see the same kind of language. Be careful to devote themselves. Verse 8. Verse 14. Learn to devote themselves to good works. This is the passion of the Apostle and the job of Titus to help the church make it their business. Devote yourselves means make this your business. Winchester Baptist Church, good works is our business. That's the business of the church. What are good works? Well, it's been emphasized so many different times, we might, you know, just overlook it. But one of the commentators that I study, John Oswald, I believe his name is John, though that sounds like somebody who shot someone, I'm not sure. John Oswald, Mr. Oswald, someone, defines good works this way visible acts of service. That emerge from genuine faith. Isn't that what good works are? They're good, and their works—the good—is the the uh, the essence of them. They're emerging from genuine faith, and their visible acts of service. And he says specifically there in verse fourteen, so as to help cases of urgent need, like what, like helping Zenus the lawyer and Apollos when they come to town, so that. Their urgent need is taken care of, and they don't have any lack of anything. These urgent needs are needs that are spontaneous, but important. See, the church's sacrificial giving, our devotion to good works, is one of the ways that we display the gospel wherever we are. Just as God has revealed His grace through Christ, we continue to reveal God's grace to us through our good works. Whether it's in your family or in your neighborhood or at your job or us here in our community or our partnership around the world, our devotion to good works is a way that we display and advance the good work of God That has saved us. So, the many people, the one mission, and this one exhortation is for us, just as it is for the church at Crete. Winchester Baptist Church is part of the Church of Christ locally, regionally, nationally, globally, and we are all on mission together for the gospel. Just like the Cretan church, we play an important role by meeting the needs that God brings to our remote, small church. We can't do everything, but friends, we can devote ourselves to meeting the needs that come our way, can't we? So I'd like to Take this exhortation to the church at Crete and then just give us application for us here. This exhortation encourages our church in three ways this morning. I'd encourage you to write these down because I I think they'll be helpful to you. This exhortation encourages our church to one, see ourselves as part of a gospel team. We might lose sight of that from time to time. We might feel isolated. But we're not. We're part of a gospel team. We're part of a team here locally. Friends, we're not the only church in town. We're not the only good church in town. We're certainly not the only gospel church in town. We're part of a team regionally. We're part of a team nationally and globally. The Great Commission... Was given to the church of Jesus Christ. Every local church. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth. Has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Well how can any one church do that? Gospel partnerships. Go. not to any one individual or any one local church to do it all. Jesus has given his church of all time and of all places the commission to make disciples of all nations. And we get to be part of that because we are members of a gospel team. Gospel ministry is for every church and every Christian. It's it's not just for certain churches, you know, those churches in strategic places like New York City or or D.C. or Seattle. It's not it's not just for the big churches with lots of resources. We are not too small. We're not insignificant. We're part of a massive gospel team that God is using to accomplish his purposes All over the world, including our neck of the woods, Winchester, Virginia. Your neighborhood. Your house. It's not just for certain people. There's many people listed here. They're from all different walks of life with all different giftings and capabilities. Friends, this room is full of all different kinds of people. And though there are many people, we all have one mission. I can't do what you can do. I don't have the opportunities that you have and you don't have the opportunities that I have. But together, we're on mission. We're part of a team. Gospel ministry is way more than... Preaching. I mean, look, it's carrying letters. Gospel ministry is hosting someone in your home. Gospel ministry is is giving money, making sure that some guys who are traveling through your town have everything they need and lack absolutely nothing. That's gospel ministry. Think of it this way. Here's the way you and we and us and they all work together. You're on mission in your home, in your neighborhood, in in your workplace. and we are on mission with you. We are on mission as a church, which requires you. To be part of it. If you're not part of it. We're not. Very strong are we. Where you are. We are. Where we are. Our brothers and sisters around the world are. Where they are. We're right there with them. Our local church plays a role here in Winchester. Other local churches play their role in their specific location. But all of the local churches make up the church. God's gospel team through whom he is accomplishing his purposes of redemption all over the earth in every nation, tribe and tongue. We get to be part of that when we see ourselves as members of a team. Number two, this exhortation encourages our church to cultivate gospel partnerships. There's a lot of churches around the world, and we don't know hardly any of them, do we? Yes, we're all part of it. But this tells us to cultivate relationships with those who come into our sphere, in on our radar. Cultivate gospel partnerships. Artemis is about to come or Tychicus is about to come to Crete. They're going to have an opportunity to get to know Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos, the famous preacher. Cultivate gospel partnerships and you know the ones who are really going to benefit from those relationships are the ones who are going to have Zenus into their home the ones who are going to have Apollos over for dinner the ones who are going to sit down after church and instead of running to lunch actually spend time with Tychicus and figure out how to really pronounce his name <laughs> and you know what happens with Titus when he leaves right he carries the Cretan church in his heart He's part of their church forever. So we as a church and you as an individual, you benefit when you, careful, uh, this word was chosen purposefully, cultivate gospel partnerships. So locally, currently we have Partnerships with many local churches and four different local agencies. Churches like Heritage Baptist, Blue Ridge Grace Brethren, Fellowship Bible, Eagle Heights Presbyterian, Winchester Anglican. All of them faithful to the gospel. Not all of them the same as us all of them very different. But they get Jesus right. They're faithful to Christ and his gospel, and therefore we join with them arm in arm as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we pray for them. We do that. Logan did that this morning. But I wonder how you could be more involved in those partnerships. I wonder, have you ever taken the time to pray for Chad Willem? Or Davey Ermold. Or Mark Carey. Clint Ilderton. Currently, we we partner with four local agencies like the Rescue Mission and AbbaCare and Laurel Center and CCAP. And then lots of different local schools that we've had the privilege of, of meeting some of their needs. It's wonderful for us to do that. And, and that's a. That's a good thing corporately, but I guess my question is, how could you be more involved in these partnerships? How could you and your kids, could you find some time in your, in your homeschool schedule to, to ask Ralph to take you to the Winchester Rescue Mission and, and to show you around so that your kids can understand the needs of the homeless population here in Winchester? Could you go with Mindy to the local pregnancy center? Could you give diapers? They have all kinds of needs, don't you, Mindy? Do you ever pray? I mean, we do, right? But how could we branch that out so that we can more deeply enter into these gospel partnerships and share in the praise and the joy? Just locally, I mean, what can we do? so that next time you invite your neighbors over for a cookout, all of us are praying for that. Just relationships, and and so that that might grow out into some gospel conversations. I'd, I'd like to see us get a little bit more involved. Let's just like step it up just a notch in these areas. Cultivate gospel partnerships, not just locally, but regionally. You've heard us talk about the Pillar Network regionally, just in our area, like here in Winchester and in um, uh, Charlestown, Percival, Hamilton, and, and that kind of an area, we we partner with the five other churches to plant churches. Hamilton Baptist, Harvest Point, Poolsville, Grace of Gainesville, and we've planted Lovettsville Baptist Church. We got to do that. You remember Cody Snyder, right? We got to do that together but I wonder if, if you ever take the time personally to pray for Cody in Lovettsville. Have you ever sent him an email? Cody, loved when you were here. How are things going? That'd be a good thing. And then I'm wondering, where's the next church to be planted? Are you? So our regional network of pastors has already identified Berryville as a, as a really good opportunity, and, and we're looking at that, hoping to plant there. Locally, regionally, nationally, we partner with the Southern Baptist Convention. But um, that's really back burner for us. I mean, we're happy about the seminaries. We're happy about the disaster relief. We're happy about the ERLC. We're happy about a lot of the things that they're going on. But I wonder how we can get a little bit more involved in those so that it's more, more of a shared partnership where they're benefiting from us and we, them and then globally, Cultivate gospel partnerships globally. Man, we're small, so we've chosen on a leadership level to go deep with one global partner, and we've gone deep with Sipo and Luni Mufusi in South Africa and the Reformed Zionist Church in Christ there. Do you know that that we give budgeted $24,000 a year, and then some of you out of your own pocket give more? Several thousands of dollars more. Do you know that just two weeks ago, I was in a conversation with SIPO. And I said, how are things going? And he says, well, to be honest with you, two of our church planters uh, are not at full support. I asked him to run the numbers and send me the number. And just this past week, our leadership agreed that we already have it available. So this week, we're going to cut them a check for four thousand dollars so that those two families have everything they need, everything they need for the rest of twenty twenty two. You know where we got that money? Your pocket. You already gave it. Now we're just sending it to an urgent need. Praise God for that, right? That's beautiful cultivate gospel partnerships there's a lot a lot more countries in the world many more countries in the world than just south africa i wonder if it's time for us to adopt a new one let's pray about that but even then i wonder how you and your family how how are you teaching your kids to get a global vision for God. Are you like one of our families who has a world map prominently displayed in their home and their kids can name just about every country on the face of the earth a lot better than one of their elders can, that's for sure. <laughs> do you regularly pray for Sipo and Lungi? And by the way, do you know the names of the planters who are right now in seminary? Let's go deeper. Cultivate these partnerships. The point is this, that helps us to play our role more effectively, more fruitfully in gospel ministry. And then finally, this exhortation not only encourages our church to see ourselves as part of a gospel team and cultivate gospel partnerships, but it encourages us to sacrifice for gospel work. Sacrifice Isn't that what you see here in this text? Verse 14 says there's an urgent need coming and and we need the church to step up to the plate. And that's going to require sacrificing a little bit of time, money, probably your supplies. And this is an urgent need, maybe one that you didn't necessarily plan for in your budget. Maybe we need to have two budgets. One where we give regularly and then another budget where there's urgent, spontaneous needs of guys who just show up. But we're ready because we've what? Devoted ourselves to good works. Sacrifice for gospel work. Logan read for us this morning how and why we do this. Third John is extraordinary for this. You want to know how God, through the Apostle John, says we're supposed to take care of Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos? Not them in 3 John. It was some other guys. But the people that we have? Look at 3 John, if you can find it. 3 John. Verse 5, Beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers. Strangers as they are, I like that emphasis, right? You don't even know these guys, but you're doing a really good and faithful thing here. And they have testified to your love before the church. Verse 6, You will do well to send them on their journey. Uh Uh-oh, you ready? In a manner worthy of God. How do we meet needs? We meet them in a way. Just like we would do it if it was Jesus himself. Why? Verse seven. Because they have gone out for the sake of the name. They've accepted nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these so that we may be fellow workers for the truth. That's how. In a manner worthy of God. Why? Because they're representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we partner with them. We're fellow workers for the truth. We are right there in South Africa. Even if you've never been there. You know, it's good to donate your used clothing. But next time somebody comes to you with an urgent need, how about just buy them some new ones? It's good to give away the stuff that you don't need anymore. But how about next time you hear of a ministry partner somewhere who needs a new laptop, you buy them a brand new MacBook Pro instead of giving them the one that you don't use anymore that's kind of out of date and has a few glitches and the cord doesn't quite work. I only know this because that's my tendency. See, when we meet the needs of gospel partners, we please God. That's what Hebrews says. Don't neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Isn't that good? When we meet the needs of gospel partners, we do it to Jesus. That's what Matthew 25 says. He says, I was hungry. You gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. And then on judgment day, they said back to him, when did we ever? Jesus says, when you have done it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. When we meet the needs of gospel partners, we turn our earthly wealth into eternal treasure. That's what Paul said to the the rich people in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And all of us are, no matter what your salary is, you're rich compared to them. Like massively wealthy. Listen to what he said to them. As for the rich in this present age, charge them, don't be haughty. Don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They, the rich people, are to do good and be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they might take hold of that which is truly life. When you give your dirty earthly money, it turns into eternal treasure. Man. So question. Are we as a church and are you as a member of this church devoted to good works so that we can help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful? Well, when we see ourselves as part of a gospel team, when we cultivate gospel partnerships, and when we sacrifice for gospel work, even a small church like Winchester Baptist Church can play a very, very important role in what God is doing around the world. And may we devote ourselves to this task for the gospel and glory of Christ. Let's pray to that end. Oh God, I pray that you would give us all the grace that we need to sacrifice all that we have For greater riches and greater purposes than just our pleasure. May we devote ourselves to good works. And yes, it's going to take time and energy and money. And yes, that's hard sometimes. But I pray that texts like these would fuel us and give us a perspective on what you're doing and how we can get in on it. I pray that you would advance the gospel in our homes and neighborhoods and workplaces and around the world as we devote ourselves to these kinds of things. Thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.